Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. And it's been a long time since we did a Dear Andy Show. We answer your questions. You ask great questions. We provide medium to subpar answers, depending on the, the, the quality of, of our day. But with me is one of my favorite people to help answer your questions because he usually answers them in the most infuriating way possible. And he really digs into our random rankings at the end of these shows. He really appreciates that task. And I appreciate him for appreciating it. The Athletics recruiting writer. That's right. No longer Ohio State beat writer. Recruiting writer Ari Wasserman. Welcome, Ari. Feels good to just say it, right? Like, it took a while. We all kind of knew this was happening, but just scream it from the mountaintops. And so you know, the reason why I come on your show is for the random ranking, not to talk about football. Absolutely. It's, shoot. And so most people follow me for food rather than football. I mean, we probably should talk a little bit about football because there's been some news that's fairly Has relevant there? of late. But... Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right now. The random ranking tonight is top five cereals. So you're going to want to hang around for that. It might be one of these podcasts, because Ari, Ari and I do these sometimes, where, you know, the usual podcast episode runs 30 to 40 minutes or so, and that's us answering your football questions. And then sometimes we'll spend 30 minutes on the random ranking. So if it's if it looks long, don't be intimidated. A lot of that's going to be cereal chatter. Yeah, well, I mean, especially considering the fact that it's food. Like, if it's like random rankings, I think, of the cars was the lo- the shortest amount of time we took. But when you start getting into the food, that's when we're passionate. So uh, it's good to be a part of it. So everybody's got to eat. That's right. Not everybody has to play football, though. This is We're entering a, a week where some things happened last week that probably a lot of people thought they'd never see. The Big Ten, the Pac-12 have said, not playing football in the fall. We're going to try to do it in the spring. The MAC, the Mountain West, they're on board with that plan too. The ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, Conference USA, the Sun Belt, and the American have all said, all right, we're going to keep trying. And that has inspired a lot of questions from the folks, Ari, and, and I don't blame them. I, this is, I've, asked, I've asked a lot of these myself, and it's one of those that there's not a lot of concrete answers but there's a lot to talk about. So right. I'll start with Andrew M., who's not Andrew S., that would be me, but I, I feel like I asked the same question to myself probably 10 times last week. So if the ACC, SEC, and Big 12, and even the American all play in the fall, how long would the Pac-12 and Big 10 schools suffer from a recruiting standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I wrote a story on Friday afternoon that didn't do too hot because I think people are kind of fatigued with just what's going oh, on right now. Yeah, but just down. The, the headline was a spring and fall season, a look at college football's uniformity problem. So I think what you can look at here and say, well, which team's going to suffer from recruiting? But you have to understand that like there are kind of like advantages and disadvantages to both. I think yeah. like the number one thing that you can do is play football because then you have something to talk about. Uh, weekly calls with recruits don't get boring. Um, they get to see you on TV, all the stuff about like football meaning more and all that stuff. But here's the other side of the coin. While Nick Saban and Ed Orgeron and all of your favorite SEC coaches and Dabo Sweeney are getting ready for their big game on Saturday, guess who's not doing anything? Ryan Day. <laughs> and guess what PJ they're doing Flight. when they're doing nothing? Calling the Croots. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, and guess, guess what they're also not doing, Ari? What are they losing? Not doing? They're not losing, so they can be. <laughs> they can all pretend they're undefeated. No, but like, and you can go down the list here, Andy, of like things that like would benefit and would hurt both sides of the coin. I don't know which side you would be on, but I so, think the thing that's hard is that um, it's not equitable. Uh, so well, if there's here, a discussion. Here's, here's my thing, all right. Everyone is gambling. 
Every single conference is gambling right now. And I know you may think of that in a conventional way and say, well, no, the Big, Tw- the Big Ten and the Pac-12 aren't gambling. But yes, they are. Because by, by cutting this off early, they cut off the chance to have a fall season. And, you know, I know Justin Fields has a petition out that, that over 100,000 people have signed trying to get it reinstated. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe if the ACC gets started and the NFL gets started, it doesn't look so bad. Maybe the Big Ten with the, their super flexible schedule that they formed over 140 Zoom calls, maybe they could do the latest version of that if, if that happened. But I don't think they can. I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are out. And the gamble is... If those other leagues play and you don't, it's going to be bad for you because not only will you not be playing while they're playing, and I know you said that they can be calling recruits, but guess what Guess what the recruit is going to ask when Ryan Day is talking to him? Right. LSU is also recruiting me too. Alabama is also recruiting me too. Clemson is also recruiting me too. Why can they figure out how to play and you can't? Okay, so you're the recruit now. And I'm a Big Ten coach. Okay, go for it, coach. You want to play in the in January? Um, what number do I get? I want exactly. number one. Yeah, Can well, I have number one. And it's like that's the thing that's so crazy about all this, though. <laughs> yeah, what number do I get? But we don't know what they're gonna do because right now there's no NCAA rule all that right, says. They're talking to class of 22 recruits, dude. The, the 21 guys are in the boat at yeah, this point. Well, well, I mean, like, but here's the thing, though. When they play or if they play in January, which is when they have to play. I mean, I don't know how they're going to start in March or whatever spring is. It's a winter season. What if five-star prospects that are committed to some of these schools get to play early? You know, Ryan Day is talking about a two-for-one on his teleconference. I mean, there's things. Oh, I, I wrote think, about that, too. And I, I yes. actually think I think regardless of when everybody plays, because I think the SEC and the Big 12 should want this, too. Everybody should get 2024 season, whether it's played in fall 2020 or spring 2021 as a mulligan, as an eligibility mulligan, because you need to inspire the players to play. You need them to keep them, to keep them from opting out. And I'm not just talking about the ones that might be playing in the spring. You, you saw it in the, in the ACC with Syracuse, give them a reason not to opt out. Yeah. I mean, I talked to five or six recruiting coordinators from different conferences and every single one of them would rather play in the fall than not. So like, I don't think it's a debate about like whether it would hurt or not, especially with the 2021 kids, but calling a 2022 kid and saying, well, your talent is too uh, important to waste. Come to a school that like, they're not going to, they're not going to listen to that stuff. Like, I think that recruits are becoming smarter than they used to be. And like, they kind of, you know, laugh at stuff like that. Now, will it have an impact from just a psychological standpoint? Maybe, but like the other side of the coin always is what are people going to do when um, they're not playing in the spring and other teams are playing in the spring? Those same 2022 kids are still going to get to watch football, apparently. So when other teams that they were being recruited by in December weren't playing anymore. So like, well, they, it, could, it just, they could all be playing in the spring too. We're Remember, we were talking about them gambling. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is the, the leagues that still plan to play in the fall do not know if they're going to play in the fall yet. They, they, like Greg Sankey from the SEC, is you, you watch him talk every time since April. He's never once said, we're definitely playing football in the fall. He has couched it every single time. And I don't blame him because there's a lot of, a lot of logistical hurdles to jump through yeah. between now. And, and if they play in the yeah. spring, then – what does that mean for spring evaluation periods, which are the most important time for the junior prospects to be evaluated? Yeah, now, we don't yeah. know. Coaches go out on the road in November. 
Yeah, normally but we, we don't too. know like if they're going to be able to be with these kids in March, like because of COVID. Like it's still a dead period, so like it's hard to project. But like the thing I don't understand, and like the main point I'm trying to get to, Andy, is how can you play this game if teams are playing by different rules or by different calendars? Like I don't know how you can do it. Even the, if the different you think the calendars SEC thing is new, the different rules thing is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like the, the uh, uh, SEC is gonna is excited right now. As we sit here right now, they're playing. But like, can you imagine Nick Saban with his Coke bottle in a press conference talking about like how he lost out on a prospect he wants because he ended up going to another school because they got to recruit him for twenty five more hours more than he did, or vice versa? Like he, you know oh. how he bangs his. I can't Absolutely. imagine this. This is a problem. He gets mad when he wins the national title because it kills <laughs> his recruiting time. But th- th- you did make a good point about the upper, upper, upper echelon guy who's a class of 2021 guy who may be committed to, let's say, an ACC or an SEC school right now. A Big Ten school might try to swoop in and say, hey, you're a corner. Or let's say it's Ryan Day. You're a corner. I think I'm going to lose Sean Wade to the NFL because I don't think he's going to be able to play in the spring. He's a top five yeah. pick. He's he's leaving. So why don't you come play? Because I'll play now. right now. <laughs> because like the thing about it is, is like everything is such in the short term. And like you like the idea of who you sign. But like if you get a five star prospect who is legit, um, one of the best players in the country and turns out to be a three and done guy, you don't really get the benefit of that guy till year two or three anyway. So if you're able to steal that from an SEC team, because they get the promise of playing in the spring. Whether or not that happens or not is irrelevant. That's just kind of what the promise is right now. Saban's head's going to explode. Well, if he let, loses let, one of his best players because he wants to play in the spring, you can come in now, play, and then, you know, what if they come up with a rule? Like, this is all Fantasy Island right now, which is so fun, but, like, what if they come up with a rule where you play five or less games in the spring season, then you you can use a red shirt, then you can play again in, in the fall, and then the next thing you know, like, they're in their third year of eligibility – uh, in 2022, and like they're going to the NFL draft, uh, or once they're three years removed. Yeah. So like, it's just like a weird dynamic because like, yes, obviously you want to play in the fall, and as it stands right now, teams are playing in the fall. I don't know if I buy that they will, but they are. Those teams are probably going and have already started using that against the teams that aren't playing. About in terms of dedication to football, whatever you can buy that. Let or me you can't. let's let's do our little exercise again. Except you're the recruit and I'm the coach now. Okay. And so I'm a coach at an SEC or an ACC or a Big 12 school, and you're the recruit asking me about, but coach in the Big 10 or in the Pac-12 says, I can play in January. Okay. So, well, you know, what's your concern, son? Why, why, do, you think, uh, why do you think you'd rather go there? Because they were going to give me my number. <laughs> I'm just messing no, with you. Yeah, number one. Yeah, I'm, listen, you're going to get number one. Don't worry about that. Let's let's talk turkey. So, do you think, I get to play early, do you coach, think you're going to play football in college in January? I think there's a chance. There's no chance. They're there's not chance. doing it. We're going to play, and if we play, they won't be able to play. I guarantee you this is what those coaches are saying. Get one million percent. This is what those coaches yeah. are saying. Well, I know for a fact that if I go to your school, you're not going to be playing a spring season. So there's a 0% chance I can play in the spring. Even if there's a 20% chance I can play in the fall and then play two seasons in one year if it starts in January. So fall 2021 and spring 2021 or winter, that's a more um, better route for me to be developed faster in order to be a better player and get to the NFL and develop quicker. Did I mention we're going to have number one waiting for you? Okay, I'm coming to you. 
Sweet. All right. <laughs> but we'll like, send, it's like all we'll hypothetical. But these, and these people, like, I think like they are more nuanced now. There's more people who have gone through it. They get more advice. There's more access to information. There's more internet. And it's just like, we're not talking about like, uh, Alabama losing a prospect to Washington or something like we're talking about the equitable teams. Right. Right. And like, this would, if, if we're talking about Ohio state recruiting somebody, they're probably trying to get them from Alabama or Georgia or Clemson. Is your student loan payment too high? Is water wet? Well, refinancing with Ernest could help you to lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Ernest. Even if you've refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy to start. Complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes. And then you get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment, or get a better rate? Earnest makes it easy. Plus, there are no origination fees or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Earnest customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. And now you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com slash Andy Staples. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash Andy Staples. Not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash Andy Staples. That's A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S, all one word, for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations, LLC, NMLS number 1204917, California Financing Law License number 6054788, Second Street, Suite 401 in San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. Right, right, and vice versa. So, like, that's kind of like what we're talking about here. And, you know, I think that people have it stuck in their heads that, the teams that aren't playing right now are going to be the ones that are, are in bad shape. But I think if if things go in a certain direction, they might be able to use it to their advantage too, and there would be an interesting tug-of-war of who has the advantage here. And, and like to me, I don't know how college football exists in that realm. Maybe you just have to deal with it because this is a pandemic and it happened for the first time in 100 years and you just kind of take what you can get. But like if it's not equitable, which is the entire point of the column that I wrote on Friday, how do you navigate this? Because somebody's going to be upset somewhere, and I, maybe the answer is just deal with it. But it's, it's, it's really tough. Well, I think that brings us into our next question because this is one that, that I've had a very firm answer to for a long, long time that all of this, the COVID pandemic and, and the fallout from it has changed my answer. So this is a question from Martin. And by the way, Martin is a brand new subscriber to The Athletic. So welcome, Martin. And here's, here's the question. How is it that the NCAA didn't make this decision? Why exactly are they needed if they don't have the guts to make a call? Do they just count the money? I think a Super League comes out of this that is outside the NCAA if they are so impotent. To which I'd say to Martin, the NCAA made as many calls as it could make, but the FBS commissioners and the FBS schools made the system work so that the NCAA had no power over them. They changed the rules over the last few years to make sure the NCAA had no say in this decision whatsoever. And so the NCAA did exactly what the schools, which, by the way, are the NCAA, set it up to do. Yeah, I mean, and it's like a tough thing because I think people want um, uniformity. And it's not here with what happens if there's two seasons in the spring and the fall. 
and it doesn't happen with how they're going to shut down or or decide to play each each conference. And it's a super messy thing. You might like want to like just think that Roger Goodell in the NFL just says, you know what, we're not playing, and that's it for everybody. But it's just like this whole thing of you know watching each individual conference try to work through their decisions and like. Now it seems like the Big 12 is kind of like falling in the same path that the Big 10 went on, releasing a schedule, commissioner and coaches saying that we don't think this is going to happen or this isn't a guarantee, and then the next thing you know, it's canceled. Like the 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 song and dance of it, I think, is the most painful part. I think people want to understand what's happening here. And not only did the Big Big 10 and Pac-12 make decisions, those decisions you know are painful for fans because they don't get to watch the game, but it also opened up 200 other questions about how this is going to work. And like, you know, maybe people who despise the NCAA because everybody does just wishes there was a blanket statement of how we're going to handle this and how like, because even if like the SEC, like to me, and I don't know if I'm nuts, you tell me if I'm nuts, but I feel like if the SEC um, and the other two com- power five conferences canceled and we could get on board for a fall winter, I mean, a, sorry, not fall winter season that starts in 2021. I would be on board with that. Like, if they could figure out a way to make it work, create a schedule, alter the playoff, do whatever they have to do to make it work so they can get two seasons in one year, whether or not you think that's even possible is another discussion. But, like, get us all back on the same page so we're all rooting for the same thing collectively as we get closer to that thing. Right now, it's just all over the place, and it's kind of maddening. I do think if those three Power Five leagues ultimately decide not to play in the fall, which they might not, I mean... There's a reason the SEC is not planning on playing games until September 26th. They want to see a lot of stuff happen before they give the final go-ahead to try to play games. So they may be on that on that path. You know, it may be a situation where by mid-September we know what's going on, and they're all trying to figure out how to play a game, how to play in the winter, and may, then maybe they can get on the same page. But the bigger thing, and you mentioned this too, everybody hates the NCAA. Well, guess what? They set that up that way too. The schools set that up so the NCAA can be the punching bag and they and the schools and the conferences themselves don't take the flack for this. And now people are realizing, wait, these are the dudes pulling the strings all along. These are who we need to blame. We need to blame yeah. the commissioners of the Big Ten and the SEC and the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12. They're the ones that are deciding how all this goes. And they all rightfully should be doing things for their own benefit of their own teams and conferences. Like, and that's the thing, like, it's like, you can't get mad at people for doing things that are are important to them and their job because that's what their job is. Right. I I said that about Jim Delaney for years because everybody from every other conference hated Jim Delaney. And my thing about Jim Delaney was always Jim Delaney is the best employee the Big Ten ever had because all he cares about is how the Big Ten can succeed. Yeah, and it worked really well. Yeah, but well, now, but I will say, when it needed to happen, Jim Delaney also was willing to bend a little bit. You know, Jim Delaney yeah. and Mike Slive were the ones who essentially hammered out the playoff. the playoff. Yeah, and Greg Sankey and Kevin Warren aren't on the same page. Have not been on the same page. You know, they. I, I think most of those commissioners thought they were on the same page until July 9th, which was the day that the Big Ten decided to go conference only and didn't tell anybody they were going to. Now. There were there were rumors out there. Everybody knew something was up. But that's the sort of thing when you're having daily calls between commissioners, you might want to mention that. Hey, next week we're thinking about maybe going conference only. What do you all think about that? And yeah. nobody's done that. And so I've always been a there's never going to be a commissioner of college football. And that the power five are never going to break away from the NCAA because all they would do 
is create another version of the NCA that would satisfy no one. But I, I wonder after all this, when the dust settles, when things finally return to quote unquote normal, do they try to do something different? Well, do I think that's say, the draw of the super conference and the question. I don't know. Like, do people, I guess the idea of like all the five, 10 best teams in college football being in the same super conference is like a fun thought. But I think that's more so a sentence that is more of about the desire of everybody kind of playing along in the same realm. Right. And, and I think it would be more similar to the conferences is currently constructed just working more closely together. Although I will say the, the Pac-12, its viability as, a, as an upper echelon power conference, I'm not so sure about long term. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I, no, I, I think there may, one may have to cannibalize another just to get it. Because we saw that in the last round of realignment where, with the Big East and the ACC where they essentially started as peers. And it was very clear to John Swafford early that only one of them was going to make it. And he made sure that it was the ACC that made it. I feel like with the Big 12 and the Pac-12, we may get into that as as we move down the the, the next round of, of negotiations. But, you know, let's say there were four. Oh, God, here we go. I said four conferences, not four 16 team conferences, because I don't know if that's how, how it's going to work. But what if there were what if, what if the power five or the power four, whoever it is, decided they're going to do their own thing with their own rules where they're allowed to give more money to players, more or whatever, more resources to athletes, whatever they want to call it. And they're not worried about what anybody else in the NCAA thinks. They're not worried about what any other schools think. And if the the members of the NCAA would like to take part in the basketball tournament with them and schedule basketball games against them, okay. But if they don't, that works too. Because, you know... It, Nicole and I have this joke when Nicole Auerbach comes on, we half the time we turn it into a basketball podcast because the basketball tournament is the financial lifeblood of the NCAA and of those lower divisions. And she thinks that the, the tournament has to happen as is to be as popular as it does. I disagree. People love Cinderella, but you know what people love more? Duke, Kansas. And if you put if you had 64 teams that played in this super league and that was the tournament, everybody made the tournament, then guess what? Gamblers would love it. It would look the same. The bracket would look the same. You'd yeah. still have Cinderella's cause there'd still be underdogs. So the ratings don't even come close in those two scenarios either. Like unless yeah. people are coming in for the last four minutes cause it's a close game. Nobody's watching 16, one, 15, two. Right, uh, right. Unless they're in a in a sports book with them all on, or you know, and people flip through, but like people do watch Duke Kansas at a much higher level. Yeah. So here's the thing, and obviously, Duke Kansas wouldn't be a one sixteen game. It would, that, yeah. That's no, probably, I know, but like probably later, an elite, yeah. elite eight game. Well, maybe but, you never know in yeah, this crazy true. world, depending on what happens. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If if they threaten to take the basketball tournament, they can. They have all the power because they can take the basketball tournament too. So if they wanted to form their own thing, they could. And you could have probably a more, vi a more vibrant college football playoff, something that would bring into the tune of a billion dollars a year in television rights fees, plus a basketball tournament that brings in the same as it brings in now, three quarters of a billion dollars or, or a little more. I mean, that, you, you wouldn't sign up for that split 64 ways if you're one of those schools? You guys know I like barbecue. Okay, love barbecue. Would eat it for every meal. But 
we all got jobs. We got kids. Even when we're all homebound, we don't have 16 hours to smoke a pork butt. We don't have a bunch of hours to, to cook ribs and remove all the silver skin from the back and then get them ready to go. And it's just not that easy. Sometimes you want barbecue and you want it quick and you want it now. And that's when I reach for chicken ribs. What is a chicken rib, you ask? It is chicken that tastes like ribs. It's a specially cut chicken thigh. You eat it off the bone, just like you would a rib, but you get these great hunks of meat, and it's a little healthier than the average spare rib. 75% less fat, to be exact. Less calories. Very good for you, but tastes great. They come frozen. You thaw them out. You put them in your air fryer for five minutes, or you put them on the grill. Maybe you kiss them a little bit with barbecue sauce, get that candy glaze going. It is delicious. I have an 11-year-old. He does not like anything. He loves chicken ribs. He asks me for them all the time. Go to chickenribs.com and use the code Andy today to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. It's real smoked meat. comes right to your door. You throw it in the freezer. You throw it in the fridge to thaw out. And then once it's thawed, you are ready to roll. Go to chickenribs.com. Use the code Andy for $10 off plus free two-day shipping. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh... You know, when you're in this situation and you look at this stuff, it's like you, I think the, the human impulse is to try to find a resolution or a blame. And it's just like, part of it too, is just like, this sucks. I mean, it like, does. it all <laughs> sucks. It sucks that it worked out this way because I always thought that the, the differences in opinion, the fact that the, that things were run in their own little fiefdoms, I thought that was part of the charm of the sport. And now I realize it is a, it's just, it's what everybody else was always saying. It's, it's a major flaw. It's a major flaw when something like this happens that only happens once every hundred years. But like, you know, I, I do think that like I agree with the fact that it's the charm. You know, I think that it's like everybody is in their own little faction. I feel like, you know, if you're a fan of a certain area, like everybody's signing Justin Fields petition it, and everybody it keeps the sport regional. Whereas yeah, it's, it's a national sport that's regional because of it. Yeah. And if you read Brian Curtis at, at the ringer had a great column the other day when everybody canceled and he was explaining, he was using a metaphor, basically in, in Great Britain, the, the mail service kind of brought the whole country together in way, because there were ways that you couldn't, just couldn't get something from somewhere to somewhere before that. And so he was using this atlas that the mail service had, cr had created to explain how every time a delivery got made, another connection was made, another town connected to another. And that's kind of the patchwork of college football is... We have our own little regions, but then they connect in a meaningful way when our team goes outside its region and plays a team from another region or when they get put together in a bowl game or when they get put together in the college football playoff. And he's right. He's right. It is the, the regional part of it is what I think makes ever. I, I feel like college football fans are more passionate fans than, say, NFL fans, I NBA agree. fans. I think that's probably why. Yeah, and I think the reason why they're more – I think what comes first, the passion, I think the reason why they are more passionate is because of the regions. I think that's yeah. the whole thing. Like, I mean, you know, I know that teams uh, in the NFL and, you know, everything is geography and where you're from and what you love is all kind of intertwined with that usually. Uh, but I just feel like where you go to college for some reason – I've always wondered this too, like why people take – the four years that they spent in college and stay there for the rest of their lives and love it like it, you know, like it's always well, been kind of, I, I, can, when you I think, could probably answer that for you, Ari. It, why? Because it's... Uh, it's, it is the most 
impressionable time of your life because it is your first experience as an independent adult, even though you're probably not entirely independent yet. Some people are when they go to college. I mean, I, I would say that I was pretty close to just being untethered the moment I set foot on campus. And there's some people that are still a little closer with their parents, but for the most part, it is the first time you are separate from them and you are living your own life, whatever your own life is going to be. So you remember all of those things. You remember the music that was popular then. You remember the people you hung out with. The good times seem better because they're the, a lot of the times it's the first time you're experiencing all these things. And yeah, I, I mean, I think that's why people have such an emotional connection to it. And, and then you add in these, these, giant spectacles of college football games at the bigger schools where I mean, there's nothing like that anywhere else. No other country has that in their sports or, you know, sports universe. It just doesn't exist. And you're like now like describing the reason why I chose to do this for a living because you want to be a part of that, you know, and it's just like a really tough scenario right now because it's just this happened and there's really nothing that you can do about it other than try to figure out a way to get through it. And you know, I, I think that, you know, once we can all kind of figure out how to get back on the same page, like I kind of like the way that it was. Um, and like I know that when college football is played the next time, it's going to be a very different sport. There's going to be very different rules, financial situations and stuff. But like I, I think that, you know, it's a very interesting time in this uh, world of, of college football because it's just it's in a transition. And I don't think we really know to what extent it's going to morph. Um, is it going to morph from a conference standpoint? Like the question asked, uh, how much is this money thing going to change it? I don't think it's going to change it that much, but it will change it. Like there's going to be, uh, you know, name, image, and likeness, uh, more petitions and more thoughts about hearing players and compensation. And, you know, it's it's going to be a crazy year, I think. Oh, yeah. If there's a year where you're going to press the reset button, this was probably going to be it anyway. Yeah, I mean, if it's off the tracks, it's off the tracks. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll get into that because that's that is a, another that's a series of, of podcasts for another few weeks where we talk about what it looks like when all this is over. But I do think they, they got to if there's no change in governance, which there may not be, because as you pointed out, this only happens once every hundred years. Now, if we want to say something like this, where there's an interruption you could say maybe once every 50 years because you, you did have World War II where a lot of seasons were interrupted. But maybe they don't. Maybe they, maybe they just go back to the way they did it before. But I do think those five people, those five commissioners need to learn to play nice. They need to learn to get along. It's just truly odd that we have all been sitting here since March uh, thinking about well, I hope that I don't think anybody really knew how long this was going to last, but I don't know that it like dawned on me that it was going to last to the fall. But how many days and months in um, April and May did we start thinking like, is this going to have an impact on college football? And anybody who really had a, the ability to have critical thinking knew that there was a chance that if we didn't get this under control, that college football was going to be in trouble. And the fact that they seem so off base, it, it, they don't. Well, they the, had the, plenty of time. Yeah, and like the Big Ten saying we haven't really formally talked about what a spring season would look like when they made that decision. Wrong answer. Yeah, you should have been talking about that in April. And I think that's the more difficult part here, Andy. I don't think people are so mad. Like 
the entire Big Ten Twitter is like on fire right now. And I don't know if are people really mad because the season got canceled or are people mad because it was done in such a weird way in the sense that there was no explanation as to 100% why? 100% they're mad about the way it was done. Because like it's Six a rational thing that earlier, it was. We have a schedule. Here's the schedule. We spent, we did 140 Zoom calls to figure out this schedule. It's the most amazing thing ever because you can collapse this week into this week. And yeah, and it was good too. Yeah, it is beautiful. If something happened, you could collapse it by like four weeks and, and still get all the games in. It was really smart and well designed. But you're telling me that that's all you talked about? You never talked about the possibility that you may not be able to play it at all, even though when you released that schedule, in the press release, it said, note, we still not, might not be able to do this. Yeah. So how are you not talking about what, what would happen in January, February, March? Well, here's the thing point? that's scary, too, is we are a closer amount of time at this point, roughly, to January than we were at the beginning of the pandemic. And that is the so, other like, thing. And that's, that's, the, that's why I say, why didn't you wait? What, what, what is wrong with what the SEC is doing? No, because, I agree. I think that yeah. they they should have postponed team activity or let them continue to hit or, or not hit, but to do shells and practice and, and compete. Take another five, six, seven days right. during that postponement time, formulate a plan and at least seem like what you announce is intentional. Like this seems and even Kevin Warren, you know, God bless his heart for this being the first thing that happens when he's the Big Ten commissioner. I, I do like feel he, bad for, for him getting thrown yeah. into that. Who, but he, he came who off would be as, able to deal with that? He came off as, I think he came off poorly. Now, I don't know if it's because it's just who would come off great when you're canceling the season. I, I the also think time. they, if you look at the way the Pac-12 announced that, the same decision, they were a lot smarter about it. And they had like they had the proof. They had the, they had a right, the, and they had the a documents doctor you could and, talk to. and doctor they had a president yeah. you could talk to. They and they were all aligned. They were united. The Big Ten clearly wasn't united. And like I think that Ryan Day and and Gene Smith have handled this from a PR standpoint really well for Ohio State. Not necessarily for the Big Ten, but for Ohio State, they've been great because Ryan Day is basically the dude in the bar who's going, "Hold me back, hold me back, hold me back," and Gene Smith is holding him back. Like, well, Ryan, we can't yeah. do this because the con- we're the members of the conference. And I mean, Ryan's like, no, 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 I want to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. And so Ryan looks great. Ryan Day looks great to his constituents. Gene Smith, meanwhile, keeps things smooth with the league itself. And yeah, but you don't need that. I mean, that that is bad for business. But like, ultimately. what's the whole the whole point of this? It, it is all this like what Nebraska did and what Ryan Day did is the point of this to make people feel better about something that's already been lost. Well, like what, Ari, like what, Ari, you of all people should know the answer to this. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand that like it's recruiting, you know, recruiting. I get it. I get yeah. it. But like they don't the way that it was done. It's just like it's almost too far gone now. And it's like that's why I think more so than the crazy. We're going out on a limb like Nebraska. We're leaving the Big Ten. We'll do anything. We'll play anybody anywhere, anywhere on Earth. And all that stuff was cute when it lasted. But everybody knew how it was going to end. I think what Ohio State did during Ryan Day's call was smart and that he was pounding his fist and every single answer was about January. Like he wanted to have a concrete plan in oh, place. Oh, he, he had a message. Gonna, I mean, and, that, and Jeff that's Brom, the message right Jeff there. Jeff Brom because, was really smart too, putting his plan out the next day. They, they made it look like they've been thinking about this, which they have. And it's not even their jobs guys. to do it. Yeah. You know, it's, but like that's the thing. Like even uh, on, on Sunday when we're recording this, the Justin Fields thing, 
Well, it's like 150,000 um, signatures about like listening to the prospects and having a voice. And I think that makes us all feel nice and warm inside. But do you think it's news to the Big Ten that 150,000 people want to watch football this fall? Like, no, I, like what they, are we doing? They're well like, aware. Like, they got that many emails when they canceled. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> so it's just like, I think right now we're in a phase where we're trying to make ourselves feel better. And, and, tr- and I'm not trying to discount what Justin Fields is doing. I think it's wonderful that he has a voice and a platform to do these things. I think the players should be heard. They're the ones who put their necks on the line to play this game every every Saturday in the fall. But the thing that I want more than anything, and as a sports fan and as a reporter, I think the thing that would be the most beneficial during a time like this is a concrete answer as to what we're doing next. And like, even though the SEC and the ACC um, are out there right now in the Big 12 about playing in the fall, I don't think really anybody actually believes that's going to happen. And like, that's still like the plan right now. But like, is it really a real plan? Like, I think what we should be talking about is what are we going to do to mitigate the the virus the best that we can on campuses? How are we going to, you know, rightfully keep these players safe and care about their safety? And when are we going to put together a schedule that we can look forward to and have? Because that's how you heal. Not by yelling at the sky, reverse the decision, play the... They're not playing. It's it. It's over. And that's the thing. If the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC ultimately decide not to play in the fall, hopefully one of them or all of them will be smart enough to say, here's how we'd like to play if we play in the spring. Immediately. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. It just like... Also, you set the tone for that conversation. Yeah, and that's a conversation that is more like more important than than any conversation that you can have. Um, because I think people just want to know when they're going to get their beloved sport back. And even though these schedules are being released and uh, all this fun, and just trust me, as a reporter who covered the Big Ten for ten years, if they release a schedule, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a lot that has to come on. Yeah, after there's that. an SEC schedule that is going to get released on Monday night. Wedding planners across the South will scramble because. There were there were weddings scheduled for certain open dates that aren't maybe not open dates anymore. So this is this is going to be a very interesting day for them. But it also doesn't necessarily mean that's when those games are going to get played because nobody knows. Still, everybody. Yeah. I would go back to the answer to the first question. Everyone is gambling right now, and but we I'm don't know what's going to happen. Interesting or interested to ask you the question. Okay. That I wrote about on Friday and we started this podcast with, and I don't think I really got your take. And I was like dying to know what you think. Do you think let's make up this fantasy world? Cause this is a podcast and whatever, this is how it is right now. If the three conferences that are still scheduled to play in the fall, still play in the fall. And then the big 10 and the PAC 12 play in the winter. Do you think that this is a healthy way to uh, proceed based on the recruiting question that we had about whether or not, multiple teams and multiple conferences can play on separate calendars over a course of a calendar year. It's not healthy, but it is what it is. It's, it's what it's maybe the best case scenario at this point, because it's the big 10 and and PAC 12 have already made their decisions. They should have waited to make their decisions. I'm not saying that they made the wrong decisions. We don't, we don't yet know who made the correct decision and who made the incorrect decision. We do know they could have waited two or three more weeks and it wouldn't have changed anything. Here's the hardest thing about this. The thing is that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are sitting back. We got fans on Twitter saying, so-and-so from the Big Ten is never going to recover from this. The Big Ten is going to be negatively the Big approved Ten will against. recover. Yeah. It's, I mean, but it's, like it's the thing Ohio is that Ohio State people, and Michigan and Penn State. Yeah, but people are hoping, based on what conference they root for, 
uh, to be right or wrong. So like big fa- Big Ten fans hate the Big Ten right now because they canceled football, but they're also hoping that the Big Ten was right by being the first pro, uh, conference to do it by being prudent and caring. But the, in order for them to be right, here's the crappy part. People have to get harmed. People have I, to I'm get a, sick. I am, I am afraid of... of I, w- I was afraid of getting to this point in the podcast. I'm glad yeah. we got 36 minutes or so in before we got here. Let's be honest. This mirrors the political discourse yeah, in this right. country. And, that, you and, and I'm not that picking aside yeah. on that one right now. Yeah. I'm saying everybody has retreated to their corner. Everybody's rooting for their own team or their own conference, and they're not, they don't care about anything else other than they want their team to be right and their team to win or their and conference to win. And if your team is right, that means you're, depending on which conference you like, could be the at the expense of thousands and thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, millions of people's health. Um, and that's like the hardest thing right now. And like, I just like want to say that I'm not going on either side of that either. All I care about is like as a country mitigating the risk the best that we can and trying to hopefully get through this. And, you know, back to the college football discussion, I think it would be more fun to look forward to a winter season with everybody than it would be trying to force it now and having half the conferences play and half you don't have a legitimate national championship. It seems like it's really soon. You know, there's a bunch of pictures on Twitter on Sunday with uh, bars in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, packed without people wearing masks. You know, there's a ton of different things that are going on right now, and it just seems like to me keeping everything together on the same calendar, new rules, same rules, different rules, whatever, same calendar would be the most exciting thing. And if you, if you, you know, did it the right way, you could absolutely make it work. You but could, that's that's my take. You, like you, I, I, you, you I would can't rather even see get the two who've already canceled to give you a, a spring schedule. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a winter schedule, or and, it would be. Yeah, you know, Ryan Days would be in the dead of winter. By the yeah, way. well, it's like hopefully, and that's what this is what we hoped in March. But hopefully, by the time January starts, we have a vaccine or more, um, uh, better testing, and we can use indoor buildings. Like there, there are ways to schedule it if you want to have. What if you had the same indoor building with four different games on it in one day? Like, yeah. you know, we can either fit. There's a lot of smart people in college football, well, and if they I mean, work shoot, together, if, they can figure the it out. If the SEC decides not to play, you know what a game in Gainesville in January is going to be like? The most beautiful day of the year? Perfection. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there, There's ways to do it if you really wanted to do it, and I just feel like from the whole point of this, too, and then we'll get to the random ranking because I cannot wait. <laughs> but you I, thought we were fired up about the football. Yeah. Um, I've been looking at my random ranking over here to the left on my notepad for like 30 minutes and it's like getting to me. Um, but like, if you're going to risk the kids and the health and I know they want to play, don't scream and yell. They want to play. We know they want to play. They have to be playing for something, right? Like you're going to crown a national champion, like for, for an eight game schedule where half the good teams in America aren't even playing. Like, come I, on. I think they've punted That's on the fun. idea of, of, playing for a unified national title this season. I, yeah, so like, I think I think everybody sort of accepted the asterisk. Now, there would there, there would be a chance for them to get back on the same page if the leagues that are currently trying to play decided not to play this fall. Which again, that's a possibility. That's not out of the question. So, we'll see what they do. Ari, we'll we'll probably have you back to Please. to deal with that as as we get closer because there will be there will be some mileposts as we go. Where they say, "Okay, we're going to keep going," or "Okay, this—that's where it ends," and, and we don't know what they're going to do yet. So we'll find out. Yeah. But we do know that today's random ranking is top five breakfast cereals. And so, Ari, this is why 
we're doing this today. Before I texted you about coming on the podcast, I was at the grocery store with my wife and my daughter, and we were looking on the cereal aisle, and my daughter, like she was pulled by a tractor beam, go, floats toward this one box. Hershey Kiss cereal. We're making cereal out of freaking candy. Is that what it is? Like Hershey's it's actually kiss it's, the, it's not a flavor actually Hershey's Kisses. I, I think it's <laughs> chocolate flavored oats. I think it's some probably some yeah. cocoa puffs or or cocoa krispies, you know, but with different with a different medium. But yes, I they're like, shaped like Hershey's Kisses. I'm assuming Hershey's chocolate is used. Yeah, I uh I feel like now when you go down the cereal aisle and I don't know what it is. It's amazing, and I don't like buy cereal anymore, and I should. But now I'm looking at the Hershey's Kisses box. But like our cereals were better than all this. Like it's over the top. Like when we were kids, they have the Sour Patch Kids cereal. No, by I the know. Way like now. when we were kids, it was just sweet enough to like feel like you were taking, like you were like being deceptive, and your parents well, didn't realize yeah, what you were getting. The, like you had to steal the leprechaun's marshmallows to get the sweetness. Right. It, it wasn't. Yeah. The, like, effort had to be made. It wasn't just. Yeah. Like all sugar, I, you know where this all went to hell is when they started making oops all berries. Because yeah, oops all berries is the entire reason why the entire cereal empire is dead now. Because crunch <laughs> crunch berries were were fine because you still had some that didn't have a color. You had the colorless yeah. ones. They all taste the same. It's all the same <laughs> amount of sugar. But Part of really enjoying as, as cereal. As soon as Captain Crunch goes, oops, <laughs> just berries. <laughs> oops, can't that's be helped. It. But like that the best it. thing about cereal, Andy, is like the scavenger hunt of like getting the things that you like and like getting the best bite. Like oh my that's god! The fun. When they added the, the the stars to Lucky Charms, yeah, that was my whole morning was figuring out how many stars I got in the bowl. <laughs> and then of course reading the back of the bowl too. And like the, I don't know what it is, and I don't have kids uh, yet, but like I do miss having a bowl of cereal in the morning, but I never buy it. And it's not about health. It's not. It's just for whatever reason, I stop buying it. Now, like if I'm at a hotel or like having a breakfast and they have cereal, like, you know, those you're, little you're turn knobs, I'm like, all oh, over yeah. it. Yeah. So, so this is the part where I, I tell you how susceptible to advertising I was as a young child. So when I was five, that's when the Total commercials came out. The first, I, I think Total had just come out. And the first Total commercial was you have to eat this many bowls of grape nuts to equal the nutrition of one bowl of total. You have to eat this many bowls of cornflakes to get the nutrition of one bowl of total. And I believed that because, you know, the, the guy would be sitting there and he would just like start the, the stack of bowls would rise and he'd be like sitting on a throne of cereal bowls. So one day my mom slept in, it was a Saturday and we had a giant box of honeycomb in the house. And so I had just seen the total commercial. You have to eat five bowls of whatever to equal the nutrition, one bowl of total. So I ate five bowls of honeycomb and my mom came out and I said, mom, I got all the nutrition of one bowl of total. I ate five bowls of honeycomb. And also that's not true. <laughs> no, that's a hundred percent true. No, no, no. What you know, oh. I know. Oh, no, no, no. You was, didn't get the nutrition. Is no, what I, I, mean. I got I, zero I nutrition. I got a lot of sugar. I trust that you got the five bowls down. <laughs> I wouldn't question that, man. Uh, okay, so who who do you want to go first? All right, I I'll start number five for me. Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, Tony the Tiger. Uh, they're basically steroids in a bowl. They increase your athletic performance. We all know this. Everyone knows that. You know that kid that plays soccer misses every PK until he eats a bowl of Frosted Flakes, and then he's just crushing it. 
Today's show is sponsored by Artifact. Artifact sets you up with a professional interviewer to capture stories about important people or things in your life. Basically, it is a personalized podcast episode featuring you or your family. I would love to have one of these with my mom telling our family history to my kids who never got a chance to meet her. It would have been wonderful for them to be able to hear that in her voice. So I'm trying to do the same thing. I ordered my first artifact to talk about my time as maybe the worst walk-on offensive lineman in SEC history. Uh, that's very kind of formative part of my life, and I want them to know, to know about it, and I want them to be able to hear it, and maybe you know, my grandkids, great-grandkids, maybe they'll get to hear it too. Uh, what you do, you go to heyartifact.com, and I told them a few basic things about what I wanted my story to be about. Then I answered a few pre-interview questions and scheduled my interview, and that only took a couple of minutes. And then I had my interview. I had a professional reporter contact me and took me all the way through the story, you know, made sure I filled in gaps if I'd missed something, made sure it was going to sound great. Uh, it was a very cool experience. It was weird being on the other side of it, to be honest. I'm, I'm usually the person doing the interviewing and, and writing the story or recording it for the podcast. So, uh, But it was pretty cool. And I tell you what, they do a great job. They make you feel like you are the star of this show. And it's, it's great. I cannot wait to hear it. Uh, their professional editors and sound engineers take care of the editing, which having done a few edits on these things, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. So I'll be sharing that episode with you when it's ready next week. But for now, you can go to heyartifact.com and hear some awesome samples, tons of ways to use Artifact to capture stories with your friends and family. So when you're ready to make an Artifact of your own, Use code Andy to get $40 off your first one. That's heyartifact.com, H-E-Y-A-R-T-I-F-A-C-T.com, and use the code Andy for $40 off. My five. And this was a tough, and I don't like, no, we have to like, you can't tell people what you omit till the end, right? Right. Because like I had a five, for five, it was a head-to-head matchup, and like I still don't know if I made the right decision. So we'll have to come back on it, but five is tricks to me. Ah, and like tricks, silly rabbit. Yeah, tricks aren't for just kids. Um, but like, there's a lot of like very colorful sugar cereal. This one is very flavorful for some. I reason. feel like I feel like tricks didn't not to just completely negate what we just said, but tricks really didn't mess around with trying to pretend to be healthy. Yeah, like, I don't. These yeah. are all colored balls of sugar. Eat. Yeah. And it's like there are other um, cereals that look like tricks, but for for whatever reason, I feel like tricks um, just tastes better. It's yeah. It, I feel I, like it's not going to make your list based on your reaction. I but was like, never a big tricks fan because I, I think maybe it was too sweet for me. Yeah, I don't know. Like and like the thing that I I got rid of another cereal that should have been in my top five probably, and you're going to be like, I like that cereal better than this cereal. There's, uh, they're the one similar. That, the, the one that narrowly missed for me, there'll be a lot of people, it's their number one, and they will be furious that I left it off. Okay, this so. is going to be fun because I can't wait. I think we might be on the same page here. So okay. number number four for me, Lucky Charms. Love those marshmallows. The, like Now in our complete cop-out cereal age, and this will this will be when I know it's all over, but I probably buy 10 boxes of this. All marshmallow Lucky Charms. That's they still haven't gone. They, they haven't crossed the Rubicon on that one yet. Now here, 
for those who've been listening, you know I'm doing intermittent fasting. I don't even eat breakfast anymore. So, I well, you can have cereal at all I, t- times I could of the eat, day. Don't you're right. I could eat cereal during the eating window, and I have not. I've chosen not to because it's, look, it's all carbs. It's it's all empty calories. But if they made an all marshmallows Lucky Charms, I would buy it all. I, for some reason in my head, and I, maybe I'm making this up, but I thought they tried that, but maybe not. You're the expert. I have no I, idea. I don't know. I have to look. We'll, we'll, if only we had the the assembled human knowledge on, say, like a handheld device. If we, yeah. if we had that capability, then maybe we could find out. But. but we already talked about how, oops, all berries ruined everything. So let's Basically. not even like like try to like open ourselves up to the reality of that because that would just be uh, – the kids don't know what it used to be like, man. They're just they're just too results oriented. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, it's, they, they just get everything. They get everything. Ready. I think they did it. Oh, here it is. I think the all marshmallow ones were a contest. I think it was like a Willy uh, Wonka golden ticket. Okay, which that is that's the kind of thing that should be rare. Open up a box, and yep. if it's all marshmallows, you win ten grand or something. If it's all marshmallows, you win a box of all marshmallows. That's what <laughs> yeah. you won. All right. Okay, number, four, number four, Captain Crunch with berries. And I don't know if you're going to be aligned with me on this one, but I like the Captain Crunch. Like, I don't, I would rather eat the Captain Crunch than the all berries. I think that the savory and sweet combination of that cereal is delicious. Hate Captain Crunch. It is, uh, it is soggy after 64 oh seconds God. and inedible, and completely inedible. You when, hate Captain Crunch? Part. Yeah, once it passes that point in time. You can't eat it. It's just it's just mush. Well, you know what? The good news is is that usually when I uh, pour Captain Crunch into a bowl, I'm not sitting around looking at it. You know, <laughs> I put it down before it gets that point. I but pour I, some really big bowls of cereal back in the day, yeah. Ari, so yeah. When, well, when I, actually, I got down past the top layer, it was pretty nasty. I actually like that sogginess sometimes because, like, I like the milk. Um, but yeah, I can see why you might not like it. I love it. I and I just like I know maybe you would. You would like all berries? Do you like all berries? No. Same problem. Because like I, I think that the Captain Crunch gives it the perfect balance of it. I, I think this is a this is a Hall of Fame cereal. <laughs> number three for me. Number three and number two, by the way, not kid cereals. I, I had uh, I had some love affairs with well Yeah. This one I had a love affair with as an adult. My number two is not a kid cereal, but I was the weird kid who preferred it to almost everything. So Number three for me, honey bunches of oats with strawberries. Dude, that's a legit cereal. Those dried strawberries were the bomb. And yeah, I I don't know. Like they, they got them out of season. They they still the boxes didn't cost a million dollars. It was just, it, it was like, like something special every time. And you could also trick yourself into thinking that you were having a balanced breakfast while also still having the kid like fun of like making sure you got the best bite. Right. The dried strawberry is essentially the Lucky Charms marshmallow for an adult. Right, right. I think that's fair. Okay, so three, I like corn pops. Oh, um, I do like some corn pops. Corn pops are legit, and I don't even know if I can describe why, Andy. They're just no, good. No, it's, it, it's a hard one. It, it, it is really good, and smacks are kind of the same way where it's hard to describe exactly why they're, they're great, but they just are. Yeah, yeah corn and like, pops are fantastic. And I think corn pops... Also do the thing that you don't like about Captain Crunch, but the soggier the corn pops get, they're also very good that way. They, so like there's I, still some crispness to them. They don't get yeah. completely soggy. The other the other one that, that I can't take because it gets too soggy too fast are your fruity or your cocoa pebbles, 
Like I'll take. Yeah, like, no, I, I they're agree. They're not any different, really, than Rice Krispies, except Rice Krispies hold the the yeah. Sol- no, the you're right. Better. You you are a thousand percent. I agree with that, and neither of those made my list. Yeah, I should like, have said that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's that's fine. I mean, look, <laughs> there's a lot of good cereals that are like I love Cocoa Krispies. They're not on my list. So yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Number or you got number three. No, you. No, that was three. Okay. Now you All right, number two. two for me. So this is not something that I picked up as an adult. I have always loved this cereal. It has always been one of my favorites. Give me those two scoops of raisins, Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Now I yep. would sprinkle like a little bit of sugar on it because the the flakes would be pretty bland without it. The the raisins had some sugar on them, but yeah, like sprinkle like one packet of sugar over the flakes, and that was just oh, I could eat. Five bowls of that, like the five bowls of honeycomb, with no problem. My number two, raisin brand, bud. All right, completely aligned. <laughs> Do you have a preference? Do you care if it's it's Post or Kellogg's? Because I always felt Post was more bland than Kellogg's. No, I always get Kellogg's, a thousand okay. percent of the time. Yeah, right. and I don't ever add sugar to it. And like one of the cereals that's also an adult cereal that I didn't add to my list, um, I think is a top two cereal if we count extra ingredients. But I kept it off because I didn't want to count sugar. Because I, I don't like it without sugar, but you put sugar in it, then it's a, it's a 10. So I'll explain that when we're done. But I I wanted to make sure I had adult cereals because some of these adult cereals are really, really good. But like Raisin Bran, I can eat without doing anything to it, and I think it's delicious. And let's not kid ourselves. There's a ton of sugar in that stuff. Tons! Well, and if you really want to feel like a fancy person, you eat Raisin Bran Crunch. Yeah. No, and Raisin Bran, um, the regular one is the one. Not Crunch is good, but... We're going with the with the OG. Yeah, no, we're going purple box. The sun is dumping two scoops yes. of raisins into it. That is what we're going with. Yes, I'm so happy that delicious. we actually like agreed on the number too, like one time. I don't know if that's ever yes. going to happen again. Yeah, I don't know whether our number ones because number one is real personal for for everybody. Yeah, it, it's we it's are just, going it's got to agree. hit you the right way. Okay, number one for me, it's the best in terms of how it holds up to milk, its flavor how it makes the milk taste when you drink it out of the bowl afterward, all of it, texture, flavor, milk in the bowl. It's perfect. Cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> that is um, the best. And I feel like everybody, if there were, if we did like a, a vote and did an AP top 25 cereal poll with every person in America, I think cinnamon toast crunch would be the unquestionable number one. And it didn't make my list, and that's why I told you that people are going to go crazy because, like, I acknowledge that people love it. I, of course, like it. It wasn't good enough to be in my top five. My number one is Frosted Flakes. And when you put them at number five, I was like, ugh. You got angry. To me, the best thing about Frosted Flakes is the way the milk tastes after it. No cereal on earth makes the milk taste that good, as as good as Frosted Flakes. I'll give you a Frosted Flakes milk story, Ari. Yeah, you have them frost. Okay, let's hear it. When I was a kid, I, I, I was the same way. I loved the way the milk tasted. For a second, and I don't know how, I must have been four or so. I only have a very fleeting memory of this. But I thought it must be because you put the milk in a bowl that it tastes that way. So I got done. I, I ate my Frosted Flakes. I drank the milk. And, of course, it was delicious. So then I took the milk back out of the fridge and poured it into a bowl I poured it into the the bowl that I'd already rinsed out to drink it. And I'm like, what's, wait, it's supposed to taste like, why does it taste like that? It dawned on me later, but. Yeah, 
You've got I, a lot so going for a on, second, Andy. I was a, for a second, I was like a cat where I was just drinking milk out of the bowl. But like no, like cinnamon toast crunch does also have a very big impact on the milk. The cinnamon sugar milk yeah. is my. If they bottled the cinnamon toast crunch milk leavings, yeah, I'd buy it by the gallon. By the yeah, but that's why I wanted to go frosted flakes because also it's not just about which one tastes the best. I do think that frosted flakes taste the best, but it's also the most versatile too. Like frosted flakes are in every hotel. If you want to get, you know, if you, it's like dependable, consistent, and there's nothing more refreshing. Especially if you're like a bowl of cereal on the side, like toast and bacon. It's the most kind of Big guy. Ten cereal answer I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, Dependable, yeah. consistent. Yeah, it's the Minnesota. Always of, pins you uh, inside <laughs> the fifteen when they punt from from the other team's forty-two on fourth and one. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't think there was a better cereal. And like the ones that I wrote down that like I messed up on. So number two between Raisin Bran, I almost put Cheerios because Cheerios are delicious if you put a bunch of sugar on them. Well, but they've done that for you, and yeah, that's but like my that's, number six that I think I think is a lot of people's number one. Honey Nut Cheerios, yeah, and Honey, honey Nut, Nut Cheerios, Cheerios awesome. is a huge one. So, and I also left off Lucky Charms, uh, Charms Cinnamon Toast Crunch in the tricks debate that I was having internally. Just so everybody knows, was Fruit Loops. And oh, like, that's a good Loops one. Fruit Loops and Apple Jacks are really good. And like, I, I prefer of, Apple Jacks to Fruit Loops. Yeah, I mean, Fruit Loops are just like a staple of all of our childhood. So, like, I. I, I had a really hard time. I just think that, like, when you really, like, take a step back, tricks just taste better. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I left off Count Chocula. That's yeah. another one. Now, they, they've, I think they've made it seasonal now. Like, you can get booberry in a certain season and, and or, I'm sorry, yeah, booberry, frankenberry, and Count Chocula in different seasons. But I really love Count Chocula because, you know, I like Lucky Charms. Well, this is chocolate Lucky Charms, essentially. And if you'll notice on my list, Andy, I had no chocolate. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I like, I like the chocolate ones if I was in the mood yeah. for it. I mean, <laughs> bless my mom. She, she let me get what I wanted, and uh, I did not, uh, I did not have to suffer through the total or the, uh, the Wheaties or any of that. Oh, that is such a good business idea. Cereal, um, that leftover c- milk, leftover milk, and you just package it in that like if they had a gallon of frosted flake milk right you have a who would walk by that and not buy it a tub of you know a thousand boxes of cinnamon toast crunch that you've dumped into a a tank and just pour milk and you run the milk through it (laughs) and bottle it 17 dollars a gallon look at me in the eyes right now and tell me if you were walking through the milk aisle and you saw cinnamon toast crunch milk you wouldn't put it in five of them in your cart i would would be sold out right now why are we doing this, Ari? Why are we not making Cinnamon Toast Crunch milk? I'm like starving now. Like when I started this podcast, I was like, fine. Um, I'm going to have a light, sensible dinner. And now I just want to go to the store and buy like every, you know how they have those. And I'm going to tell you, I know that we always talk about food on this podcast and I have lost 61 pounds. Holy cow. Since the last time awesome. you saw me. Because I, and I can't do the intermittent fasting thing. I need to get on a schedule, but my schedule never well, just lets me for, do for it. For those who don't know, Ari and I share our workouts on our, our Apple watches. So I see yeah. when he works out. Have you been seeing my, work my workouts lately? Yeah. I hired a trainer. I've been hitting Heck 1,300 yeah. calorie workouts. Like I'm getting myself back into I'm shape. I'm impressed. That's, I, I'm glad. And that's the thing. Like we talk about all this stuff and this junk food. It's okay to eat every once in a while. I don't want yeah. you, anybody to feel like they can't do that because you start denying yourself that stuff. That's when you start going crazy. But yeah, for the most part, eat healthy. You know, have, have one of these every once in a while and then eat some salad. When I start 
and I don't know if I'm allowed to tease this or not, we're having a recruiting podcast on The Athletic. And I want to have a segment at the end where every guest who comes on like yours has something to talk about. And, like, I think I just came up with the idea, but I'll just do my first one. Like, what is, like, a fat moment that you've had where you, like, did something that you're ashamed of or that is, like, disgusting? The difference is I have no shame. Yeah. Well, here's – but the reason why I'm bringing this up is that you always have cereal stories. I have cereal stories. So, like, if you ever are in the mood for cereal and you go down the aisle, trying to pick one is freaking impossible. Like, we just did our list, and it's, like, Frosted Flakes is my number one, but, like, if I walk down the aisle – like, I don't know what to choose because they're all so good. So what did I do? Like, a year ago, I was in a very, like, homemade pancakes, breakfast, and cereal mo- mood. So instead of choosing one cereal, what I did was I got a gallon of milk, I got pancake mix, and then you know how they sell those individual packets of yeah, them? Yeah, absolutely. I bought, like, seven of them, and each one was a different cereal, so I didn't have to make the decision. I just smashed them. And, like, that is, like, a I'm ashamed that I did that, and that's why I have to lose all this weight type of scenario. But, like, yeah, I'm but also proud. Pancake like called- mix in seven kinds of cereal. Well, no, I didn't, put the, I didn't put the pancake mix in the cereal. <laughs> I just made a few pancakes to have with my cereal because it was bre- – But I so had- you, were trying, you were trying to make what they called a complete breakfast in the cereal commercials of our childhood. By yes. the way, if anybody ever ate a, quote, unquote, complete <laughs> breakfast – their stomach would explode. It was always like a bowl of cereal, a glass of milk, a glass of orange juice, a glass of apple juice, yeah. and then like seven pancakes. I also, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make my kitchen like the lobby of a Courtyard Marriott or a Fairfield Marriott. <laughs> you, you want to be cranking dials and having cereal pour in? By the way, like when I buy my next house with the person that I'm with, how cool would it be if you had like a big kitchen, you're super successful, you have a big house and like as part of your kitchen on the side of like the refrigerator or something, you like put all those dials in and you filled them up. Like, could you imagine if you had those like in your house? Like those are my two fantasies. One, to have a bunch of cereal dispensers and two, to have um, one of those Coke th- freestyle machines in my house. That's part of the reason why I have to lose weight because I could guzzle <laughs> enough Mountain Dew to put a cow down. But, like, could you imagine having one of those freestyle machines, like, in your kitchen? You can just walk up and... <laughs> yeah. You know, the Andy Walker awesome episode you... of Cribs is going to be the greatest ever. I cannot yeah. wait. <laughs> Tell me, like, if, if our women would let us do it, and it didn't look ridiculous. How my sick wife of a would house. not. I can assure you. Yeah. That the second I brought up a, a freestyle machine, my wife would would probably file for divorce. But I don't know. I've never been in your house. Uh, I can't wait till you invite me over. But like, if you put a freestyle machine in your house without me knowing what's in your house, I already know that everybody who walked into your house would be like, "What the hell is that?" Like everybody would be 100%. immediately drawn to that. It's and the like, other thing. Yeah. It's sort of like like Jeff Schwartz, the the former NFL lineman who now does podcasts and, and all that stuff. He's got a urinal in his house. When they built it, his wife was like, hey, why don't you put in a urinal? And he's like, okay, sounds good. And when you're at first, you're like, well, that sounds kind of weird. And then you're like, God, I wish I had a urinal in my house. Yeah, the, the only thing about the urinal thing is that you got to make sure it doesn't smell. Because, like, I associate that. the cakes for. No, I know. But, like, it would be great because I can't tell you how many times I have to uh, wipe the toilet seat. Um, so like not having to do that would be great, but here's one last thing. I know we're going really long, Andy, but the third thing, I promise 30 minutes of football and 30 minutes of cereal and the folks have gotten what they were promised. But these are the three things I want in my house. Cereal dials, um, 
the freestyle machine or a Coke on draft machine and um, regulation legit quarter slot machines from an old Vegas casino, like three on a bank. <laughs> like, and then like if like I had a game room and you put all those things in the game room, like I'd better get wealthy one day because like if I do, like I'm going to have a cool game room that has all those three things and everybody who comes over would be like in awe of that. And everybody might be scoffing at this, but like, imagine if you went over to your friend's house and they had those things. I'll be busy eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch and, and making Cinnamon Toast Crunch milk that I will eventually bottle and sell. <laughs> I want in. I, but I'm, I'm going to be turning the dials, so you better have a Cinnamon Toast Crunch dial in your kitchen. You uh, you make a dime off of uh, the milk business idea, and you're going to be hearing from my people. Like this is like joint. <laughs> this is a joint. Are, I, I, I eagerly await your cease and desist, Ari. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We've, we've kept you way too long, but we, we're probably going to do this again because I, I, I'm just going to have an episode where I bring Ari on and ask him to design his own house like I hope, from the ground yeah. up. It's going to happen. Yeah, now you know what it's like living in my brain. <laughs> it's a terrifying place. Thanks so much, Ari. Anytime. <laughs>